You are listening to Written on Water, a podcast about death, life, and all the layers in between. I believe that by learning how to die well, we learn how to live and love completely. So listen and learn. repeatedly mention that loss is loss and grief has no timeline. What if the loss is so common that most stay silent about it? What if the death comes before life? Today we are going to talk to my dear friend Natalie about her experience with miscarriages. Welcome Natalie. Thank you Michelle. I'm so happy to have you. Oh I'm so so thankful to be here. Yeah and actually you amazingly came up with this idea of chatting about one of those subjects that I think is not talked about enough, mm-hmm. um, and I believe you have some personal experience. So why don't you kind of tell us about your journey through miscarriages and what's happened and about mm-hmm. the gift that is Smith, you know, so tell us about your story. My story, I'm sure at some point when I was younger, I wanted children. I love children. I love the energy and the spirit of children. As I went along in my career, it, uh, it became less and less as my career grew and grew. And my husband and partner and friend um, and sidekick and lover and all of those things really wanted um, children and kept bringing it up. And I just kept pushing it off um, as I was really in my, my career. Um, and you're a chef and we met many years ago mm-hmm. when we were both sort of starting our journey in Napa together. Yeah. And you were very ambitious. That's one thing I do remember. Yeah. And yeah. I I just, I had a, that laser beam kind of focus. Um, and I knew that kids would change that. Um, I didn't necessarily know until obviously having um, been through trying the actual nine months of um, being pregnant and labor, how much of my purpose was actually to become a mom. Yeah, that's sometimes those those types of uh, revelations take a while. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know what you want until it sits right in front of you sometimes. Yeah. It's a strange epiphany in many ways. And the actual timeline of when it actually started to come into conversation was... Um, a bit ironic as well as my friend, my close friend from childhood, she was diagnosed um, and basically battling for her life. And I went along the ride with her on this journey. And um, I was listening to stories and ultimately I was called upon to go to New York and help her through her last round of, uh, of treatments. And it really wasn't until I was in New York and was called on that something just sparked in me to want to care for someone in that capacity. It's different. Of course, I love my husband. Of course, I love my parents, my siblings, friends. But to really, truly feel needed, it was the first time that I was called upon 
and it ignited. So the spark happened. Something happened. Yeah. And John had been asking for a while at that point. I would say several years. Mm-hmm. He's extremely patient. He's such a family man. He really is. Yeah. And he didn't want to, you know, sway too far away from that agreement that I, you know, we had once had that I had kind of put aside due to my career. Yeah. And so tell me about the process of trying to get pregnant and and the miscarriages that resulted. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that part of your story. So I've always been driven. I've always been an athlete. I've always really gotten what I've wanted as long as I've put the effort into it. Okay. Hard work. Yeah. And I'm also an Aries. So What does that mean exactly? I'm, I just, I ram right through life. <laughs> So you're all about headbutting until yeah. you get what you want. <laughs> like, you're just not going to stop me. My dad yeah. would say, the rules don't apply to you, do they? And that was pretty much who I, you know, my, my core. So when I came home from this trip and I said, let's start trying, I expected to get pregnant. Instantly. Just boom. Never once thought anything different. Wow. And as we know, life, and as I've talked about in my last couple podcasts, Life is never as you plan it or how you expect it. You have to be open to all the different waves that might exactly. that might hit you, <laughs> so to speak. Exactly. So how did that feel to be all of a sudden not the all-powerful Natalie that you're used to? Oh, it's, it's um, you know, it's that initial uh, experience of humility. Yeah. Absolutely. That you, you know, you, you feel that some of your practices can manifest certain things or um, you're super healthy or s- those don't really come into play when you're dealing with spirits. Yeah. Yeah. And had you gotten your fertility tested? Like were you in the night, right? Egg number ranges and... I hadn't. Like um, okay. I ultimately have just always been healthy and have always had a cyclical cycle that I can rely on. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was just flabbergasted. You're like, this should be easy because I'm healthy as a horse. No worries. We're solid. Go. Exactly. Yeah. And so that initial, wow, I think I might be pregnant is, is a feeling that is really exciting and I always am excited. I don't necessarily look to the what ifs. I don't necessarily look at the possibilities of the negative. I am usually on a course of excitement. You're super optimistic. I really am. Yeah. Whereas John is my balance. Mm -hmm. So he would, you know, be excited, of course, but also have that other side to say, let's get past that marker point. Um, so we didn't the first time. The so first, how long was the first one? The first miscarriage was around eight weeks. Okay, so pretty early on. It was early on. So te- so when you're speaking about when people share, it's usually at the 12-week mark. Okay. So you hadn't told anybody it was... It exactly. Was, okay. So that was number one. And that was the first experience. And the physical sensations were real. It was not just 
bleeding, it's cramping in a way that you're not, you can't expect because it's not as though it's a period cramp. Right. It's a different experience altogether. And the body is so remarkable because it accepts that it's pregnant from the second. So all of these cells are rapidly dissecting and, and expanding and, and all of the multiplying multiplying all of, all of your you know bodily functions are engaged so even though it's only eight weeks your body is already preparing right and so when that loss happens not only psychologically but physically there's changes even right. that early right and it's just like any new experience you just can't be prepared for it right Right, and so then tell me how long how long was it until you guys next, so you started trying right again immediately, or? We didn't. Uh, I think that I probably read it in it somewhere uh, or something, you know, that usually you want your cycle to come back, one full cycle, okay. just to clear out any lining or, you know, anything in the womb that could have been from the last miscarriage. You almost want that cleanse again to flush it all to out, flush it all out start again yeah okay. so um so we did and uh so my first miscarriage was in november and i got pregnant again um i guess the following like march so pretty soon after mm -hmm. okay and the second miscarriage uh was really felt more of betrayal simply because I was so excited uh -huh. and we were really close to telling everyone. So, so that was closer to the 12 week. Mark. Exactly. Oh, okay. It was a, we were literally flying out to share the news with our family within two days. So that's totally heartbreaking because you're so excited to tell everybody about the new family member and then but you're also processing the fact that this trip is now still scheduled. Oh gosh. So now instead of going and sharing this exciting news, you're, I'm, I was dealing with the aftermath of, again, all of these emotional changes, physical yeah. and emotional changes, yeah. but even more escalated because I was further along. So did your family know what you were coming, that you were gonna surprise them? They had no clue. Oh geez, so you were really having to like hold it in and like suck up your emotions and be kind of stoic about it. We actually, I shared it with my mom and my sister. Okay. I actually didn't share it with my husband's family simply because it was a loss and it wouldn't have added anything to the particular trip that we were on. Totally. And John and I have always been so private. Yeah. And this was something that you, you there's certain people that you respect their levels of comfort as well. Mm -hmm. So we were able to be there for one another, knowing that they wouldn't, it would have been uncomfortable to share it with them. Right. And, and you know, your mother and your sister, you know, those are your people, you know, you. And I, and I am comfortable with his parents. I love them so much. I'm more saying that it's, it's, you don't want people to worry about you right. and they would worry. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then, so that was number two. Yeah, and that one, you know, required more of the surgical 
So what did you have to do? What's so it's called a DNC. Okay. And it's a surgical procedure that you actually have to go into the hospital to have everything removed mm. because you don't want to run the risk of having anything left behind to complicate another pregnancy because it was so far along. Right. Right. That makes sense. So that's, that, so that's more first, investment right there emotionally. Oh. I can only imagine. And what's really beautiful during this process is that I wanted the baby more and more. Yeah. So I started this process really being on the fence of whether I wanted to be a mom or whether I could be a mom and juggle all of it with my career, with my spouse, how would my body change? And then through these miscarriages, it just kept becoming clearer and clearer that I was calling in something consciously versus being on the fence. Got it. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting, you know, I think... You know, more, I think also it's sort of once you realize how much your body is invested in it as well, mm-hmm. you don't even think about, I mean, your hormones and, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like a plant. Once a bud comes, the plant puts all its energy mm-hmm. into making that blossom. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing with the human body. So you, you are creating this life. You are investing in this, mm-hmm. in this seed, perhaps you can say. And I trust now that I know the baby, Smith is his name, Mm -hmm. I do trust that he was actually along the ride the whole time and was knowing that I wasn't completely ready. That makes sense. I do believe that the spirits of babies and spirits in general, we were once them, Mm -hmm. they come from a really special space Mm -hmm. and it's not always about us in the way that we think of it sometimes for me it took me later on to realize that he was actually allowing me to prepare myself that my grievances of losing him wasn't actually losing him Mm -hmm. it was honoring that we're going to enter a relationship together and we're going to stay contractually in agreement that we're going to care for each other. Right, right. And it's, you know, and it's amazing how entering a new being into your world just changes things. I mean, I know you had some first babies with dogs. Yes. And they change you completely. Mm-hmm. And you don't even understand how you open up until you have one of these amazing beings in your daily life. It was the first experience I was addressing my friend being the first experience that I felt needed mm-hmm. when we when we adopted Archer which is our first pup my heart grew in a literally I could feel it yeah and I I had never experienced that kind of yearning and love for another creature yeah it's amazing they are our teachers in so many ways and they show you how expansive you can actually be which Mm -hmm. is pretty cool you know Mm -hmm. so I can't imagine what a baby is Um, but going back to you know the loss that led to Smith 
I waited a while though to try again okay. before Smith, yeah. and I, I was just, I couldn't believe it. I I really couldn't believe that that this would be my story. Right. And this was before I was in in the frame of thinking that there's someone else involved here, which is the spirit right. of the child. Right. And just by chance, I was at the gym and this beautiful, voluptuous, older woman was in the steam room. I had never seen her before. And she was, she definitely could have been my mom. Mm-hmm. And somehow we started talking and somehow we started sharing that we both had two miscarriages. Mm. And she listened to my story and then I offered my ear to listen to hers. And not to take away, because pain is pain and loss is loss and everyone handles things in their own time. Mm -hmm. My losses were really early on in terms of miscarriages. Mm -hmm. And I felt them physically and emotionally. And this woman shared with me that she lost her babies closer to like six and eight months. So that's brutal because this kid is pretty much formed You're at this point. You're feeling the baby at yeah, that point. they're like kicking. And... I, I truly, it's on another level of how, again, my heart expanded to her and to all of the other women that have experienced this sort of discomfort, this sort of loss, this sort of just unexplicable phenomena of why babies don't take right and i've heard it's it's quite a high stat Mm -hmm. from i think i've read it's like one in four that don't that Mm -hmm. that miscarry Mm -hmm. which is kind of a that's a huge stat that's a lot of people oh yeah absolutely and how many people as you did carry it in silence Mm -hmm. you know and do you think that's just do you think it's I'm blown off isn't the right word, but do you think it's just um, disregarded because it happens so often or because people are sort of ashamed that it's happened? Or what do you think that's about, that sort of silence? I think that we have moved away from consoling one another as community. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of the attractiveness of friendships are loosely who makes us feel the best. And these sorts of topics are not fun. No. Absolutely. <laughs> so true. So I think that in times before, there were circles, there were family members around that were ready to help you raise a child, whether it's grandmothers or moms or aunts or sisters. We are all dispersed. Right. And everyone's truly in their own little world and moving quite quickly i will say that that woman after she shared her story she said to me something that literally got me back on my track and she said if i had another chance i would try again and do you think she felt she was too advanced in years to try again she wasn't able to sure Um, Mm -hmm. yeah but knowing that she lost two babies that far along, 
I realized again that it's not about me. Right. That I needed to give this spirit another chance. Right. And so, so after the two miscarriages, and then you were pregnant with Smith, were you a wee bit scared because of the two that were lost? And now, here's the third chance. I had done so much work. So this is a course of over two years. Okay. So uh, I didn't get actually become pregnant with Smith until over two years after I tried. Okay. So by the time I was pregnant with Smith, it goes back to the original where John was one foot in, one foot out. Let's just see. Let's wait and see. Mm -hmm. And he was actually like that throughout the whole pregnancy, just wanting to really make sure he arrived safe and whole and the way that he envisioned. Mm -hmm. I stayed fairly optimistic because that's, I think, my nature, and I don't know how to shift that thankfully mm -hmm. that's, that's that's a good way to be it, yeah it's just <laughs> it's where I sit it's where I'm comfortable yeah and I just knew uh he I throughout the two and a half years or so we started to also talk to him there's okay. a wonderful book it's called spirit babies uh the author it's Walter and I want to say the last name starts with an M. And it's it's incredible because it's a perspective that, again, these spirits are waiting to make these contracts with their parents because we're all here to be on our own journeys. Right. And we need our teachers. We for whatever the journey is, sometimes it could be challenges. Right. It doesn't have to always be positive. Sometimes we need certain people to teach us certain things. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't choose your family, right? You can Only choose when your... you get married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that might be the one time you can. But generally, it's Walter McKitchen. Yes. Something like that. Yep. Um, that's so. That's the author of the Spirit, Spirit Babies. Babies. Yeah. yeah. I now this is a book that it really is well written because it's just so honest. This guy, he was a priest. He always was able to communicate with spirits, um, particularly in the baby form. He thought everyone his whole adolescence was able to see them. He had no clue that it was just a gift for him. Really, it's really a wonderful read for anyone, okay. but for those who are trying to conceive. It really allows you to connect with the spirit, mm -hmm. and they're 1,000% floating above, mm -hmm. waiting to be called in, but they're waiting for the space to be right. 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 Well, I, I highly believe that people come, people and beings in general come into your life at a certain time. Exactly. You know? and, and if you haven't met the right person or you haven't conceived yet, it's because, you know, it's just not... The universe as well at that moment exactly and that's where it comes into play that sometimes it's just not about you right right and that's like what in today's time with selfies like what do you mean it's not about me yeah everything's about me and insta world exactly <laughs> it's like it's a, you... it's a perspective shift yeah. but once you make that shift mm -hmm. you actually become calm 
and yeah. you start to allow the flow to just be what it is. Yeah, and I think I've talked to both um, Lama Pat and Mateo about it is what it is, mm-hmm. and it's okay to be not okay, and just sort of mm-hmm. acceptance of life's gifts and tragedies both coming together, and um, you know, it's it's kind of a blind faith moving through them because some of them are so difficult. Oh, absolutely. Um, but you have to have the tenacity to sort of work through them and hope for lighter days, better days, eventually. Because it will happen. Absolutely. And there's always mouse crumbs, I call them. Like the woman in the uh, gym, she was a little crumb that mm-hmm. I needed to find to keep going. You're never that far off your track. Right. Sometimes situations happen. And trust me, I mean, there's... I know several people who have experienced true tragedy so again it's not to diminish others pain but there is a track that you're meant to be on and you're never that far off you can get back on mm-hmm. yeah and you just have to have if you want to call it faith mm-hmm. or strength or you know whatever word you want to use to keep going at it mm-hmm. Um, and or I'm, just or, or just keep your eyes and ears open to the people that are your messengers. Yeah, absolutely. And it's strangers, it's people you know, it's your animal beings in your life. Like it could be so many different things. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, how did John deal with all of these miscarriages? Because I'm sure you know, he, they affected him. He's a sensitive guy mm-hmm. and a wholehearted guy, as I know him. Yeah, I mean, I can't really speak on behalf of him. Right. I think that... Men with conceiving is not a role I would envy (laughs) as a woman because we get to bond and feel and connect in a way that is direct and their experience from the get-go is indirect. So I had the loss and was able to, again, physically feel the loss Mm -hmm. his is only emotional right so the body is almost tailing behind like it's just kind of it makes sense i it makes me think of when i lost my parents i was in the accident Mm -hmm. so i was there to witness and, and see their last days luckily i was there to see it and be in it so i knew exactly what happened for for the most part um, and my brother, he was in the States at the time. It happened exactly. in New Zealand. And he felt this huge hole. He wanted an explanation. That's exactly. Did dad have a heart attack? Did mm-hmm. he have a stroke? Why would this happen? Like, mm-hmm. what could possibly have happened to make this, you know, this exactly. horrible thing occur? And he went back to the accident site, which was in a very remote part of New Zealand. Like, it was in the middle of a national park. And went to the town of, like, 200 people um, and the cops came and um, showed him the site. And it's in the middle of nowhere. Like, honestly, you see glaciers and mountains and glacier water. And that's but it. he needed that closure. He needed closure. But he, for a long time, he just he was floating in this sea of unknown. Mm-hmm. And um, not having the answers because it was indirect exactly like you were saying for John. It's mm-hmm. indirect for men. Yeah. And there's definitely more attention put on the woman with what are you eating? What supplements are you taking? Are you working out too hard? And I really, spirits and babies are really resilient. When it's their time to come, they're coming. Yeah. 
I mean, and you think of all the other countries where they don't have the luxuries. Like I think of Africa, mud huts, you know. Where they're carrying water on their their head for miles. There's malaria, there's dirty water, there's all of these obstacles, and the kids still come. But those are the questions that come up. Yeah, yeah, totally. That makes makes absolute sense. And women are so strong, too. I mean, just in general. Our constitution is ridiculous when you think about what we're able to endure with taking care of people and childbirth and you know we're coming back around though oh yeah yeah no oh doubt. our voices are are uh resilient absolutely and they have been through time with ancestors and mm-hmm. you know it's always been there um, but now we're actually allowed to talk about it <laughs> so that puts a good ball in our court right mm-hmm. and so there's just so many there's so many questions i have and you know, what would you suggest as advice to someone who's trying to conceive or maybe has had a miscarriage and is in that sort of lost space? I know several people who are actively practicing conceiving. And unfortunately, it it takes the, the genuineness out of what you're actually doing when you're meant to be creating life out of love Mm -hmm. it becomes transactional so you mean like the fertility treatment zone or just even i'm ovulating you know here we go it becomes almost like you're such a mammal at that point it literally becomes a transaction you are a breeder this is what's happening Yeah, yeah and i think that if we enter the mindset the state of mind that we we become the ocean we're, we're never gonna not be the ocean right and the waves are all different forms sometimes they're really high sometimes it's low sometimes they're crashing sometimes they're just still mm-hmm. and just trust that process I think that the spirits that are coming in right now are really here to bring peace mm-hmm and I think that they're lo- they're looking for peaceful settings. Okay, so the less stressed and and anxiety filled about the conception process to get less out of the mind. Okay, well, getting out of one's own head is is a practice amongst the centuries. <laughs> it's mindfulness. It's meditation. It's humility. It's compassion. There's so many things rolled into that. I really that it's I'm not saying it's easy I'm not saying it's the way I'm just saying that I I believe that the two people coming together if you're able to physically come together I'm not talking about IVF obviously that's a whole nother conversation which I can talk to but I'm specifically addressing two individuals coming together to make that sacred right and enjoy one another right not to have it be so transactional. Well, it's interesting because I have a, a very good friend and she had wanted a baby so badly. Like this was her, you know, heart end all be all want need of her life. And they, they had so much trouble. So they decided to adopt mm. this gorgeous girl. Mm. Um, and she's, God, she's in her teens now, which is scary. Um, so they adopt this baby, and they're enjoying being parents. And then a year later, or I think maybe it was two years later, 
she's pregnant with twins. Wow. So I think it was exactly that, taking that pressure off of conceiving and just being a parent. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Just, you know, going, there's so many ways of being a parent, you know, oh, and when, it's, it's... And it, it links to how, you know, getting Archer, our dog, how it started to expand my heart, how they adopted their beautiful child, right. how it... Well, so the babies, the twins that came in, I would probably, you know, like to believe that they saw that the house was nurturing. Yeah. That they could handle a child. Right. Uh, the Spirit Babies book, it's really great in the sense that it actually covers everything from IVF, adoption, loss, all of it. There's so many great stories that are shared and there's specific attitudes that these babies take when they do ch choose to come in as an adopted child. They're choosing that path. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I believe that. I mean, I think adoption is such an amazing, mm -hmm. an amazing thing if you can do that. You know, Absolutely. I, I adopted my dogs, yeah. and so they pretty much 100% showed me that I can love a being that is not my from my own womb. You sure, know? exactly. Yeah, and they're pretty much my babies, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's all about attitude, isn't it? It's all about just being open. Absolutely. And yeah. um, I feel for people that have anxiety, though, because anxiety yeah. is something that is not something you can just, like, sip a tea and it goes away. So... With all of what I've said, this has been over a course of years of work, of, of staying present, of surrendering, of accepting, of listening. So no one chooses to live with anxiety. Right. And the less anxiety that we can live with, the better. Right. And it's practice. It is. It's daily. It's yeah. never, there's never a finish line. Yeah. Keeping it simple, remembering to breathe. Mm -hmm. and doing what you know is your truth. I think I probably... Or the ocean. Yep. <laughs> We're never not the ocean. <laughs> be the ocean. Just be the ocean. <laughs> and I think, actually, the, the question that I, I asked two questions to all my guests, and I knew this will be an interesting perspective considering the spirit babies. Um, what is your version of the afterlife? I have a few thoughts to that. I experienced a profound feeling when I was 17 and it was a feeling of utter peace and everything was time was absolutely continuing on. It was snowing. It was incredibly magical though. I was in a sober state. I was going to say, what was your condition at that point? Absolutely. I had to make sure to clarify. I was completely... You were alive. You were yes. not inebriated. No. Okay. It was just, there was a lot, and I've, I've always been sensitive to energy. So there was a lot of actual anxiety going around me because everyone was studying for finals. Mm -hmm. But it was so snowy outside that it was almost like a juxtaposition of the energy inside. So the inside was just so wound up, but outside it was so still because there's only so much you can do when it's snowing. Right. And in a way, it allowed me to realize 
that this experience is solely to be here. So at 17, you realize that. That's, that's a pretty big epiphany at such a young age. Yeah, so if you ever... There's an Instagram post I wrote a while ago, actually, but I'll always seven. I always ask people, how old would you be if if someone were to say, how old would you always be if you could choose an age? How old would you be? Hmm. And I will always be 17 for that moment in time. So for me, the afterlife is that feeling of peace. Right. I can concur with that because that's when my brother left us. He was so peaceful. It was crazy. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I think he lost 20 years, honestly. So, wow. yeah, immediately I was like, wow, he actually looks handsome. Is that freaky of me to wow. think so? It was weird. That's so beautiful. It was strange. And it just I think all the anxiety and pain was gone. And what was left was his pure self. And mm -hmm. it was like a 20-year younger version. Mm. You know, which I is... I love that. Yeah. Um, and then the other question I always ask people is, what's, the, what's a, the greatest life lesson you've had so far that you want to share with our listeners? Again, there's several, but I would say to stay gentle to yourself. The way that Smith has allowed me to care for him has been such an honor. I feel called on to him to change him to carry him and we all deserve that so just to stay so gentle with whatever's going on it's just not it's just not that important mm -hmm. so much more is to this and reminding yourself that you're loved and important and yeah, just to stay gentle with yourself. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Nat. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having and me. And sharing some very tough, tough times that have resulted into some really beautiful ones. So thank you for that. Absolutely. You've been listening to Written on Water. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until soon. podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.